Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA here today. Certainly appreciate being a part of your day as you go about your work. We've got a lot coming in the world of agriculture today, a lot of exciting things to talk about. We're going to pick it up here in just a moment, taking a look at the markets with Darren Newsom of Newsom Analysis, and they are running this morning, at least in the grain. Look at Darren's perspective here in just a moment. In segment two, we're going to be talking with John Baranek of DTN Weather. A lot of places saw their growing season officially come to a close last week. John will give us an update on what to expect going forward. And in segment three, we're going to dig into farm management. Dr. Steve Isaacs, a farm management professor at the University of Kentucky Extension, will be joining us. We're going to talk about what's happening there in the eastern Corn Belt and how farmers are preparing to change their businesses in this year of volatility. And finally, we're going to wrap with a look at harvest over in the state of Ohio. Dave Green, Ohio farmer, will be joining us with an update on how things are looking in that part of the growing region. But first and foremost, let's dig into today's moves in the market. Joining me now is Darren Newsom of Newsom Analysis. Darren, whoo, things are off on a rocket ship today here in the soybean market. What's going on? Yeah, it is quite a day. A uh, couple of stories over the weekend seem to have kind of caught the market's attention. Uh, the first one came out, I think, late Sunday afternoon that some of the backlog of ships along the lower Mississippi River started to move. They were, they were headed towards port in New Orleans. So uh, all of a sudden, it looks like we will be exporting. Now, what really is strange about this, and something I've talked about the last couple of weeks when all of the, with all the hubbub going on about this, it still didn't rain. So it's not like we all of a sudden raised the water levels. But one thing we have to remember, China came out of its week-long, uh, last week was, it was in a week-long uh, holiday. And so all of a sudden now they're out of holiday. Ships are moving again. It looks like we're going to be exporting. So those two things combined, I think, has the, has the soybean market's interest. Seasonally, this is a time of year when cash soybeans tend to go up. So certainly looks like that's going to play a role as well. Nice, solid commercial and non-commercial buying to start the week. Darren, with that movement of barges again on the Mississippi, I understand U.S. Corps is doing some dredging. They've opened up some narrow channels here. And as you mentioned, their their ships are moving again. How do you see this spilling over to impact basis while harvest is going on now that we've got some optimism of grains moving down to the ports? Well, I, I've, you know, basis is still strong. Uh, we've had strong basis all along. Uh, we didn't see this huge collapse. We saw some seasonal weakness. But just as the cash market tends to seasonally firm, you know, from, you know, late, from early October on, so does basis. We, we tend to see some strength in basis. And if we're starting to see bushels being put away, locked up tight, uh, and not sold as much in, in the cash market now, uh, given harvest is, what, 25 30% done, whatever it turns out to be, uh, then we've all of a sudden got a tight situation. And particularly, again, if China is going to be knocking on the door looking to ship some of those some of those sales that they've got on the books already, waiting to see what develops in South America. They need the soybeans now. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting situation. I think it's going to keep a, a solid floor underneath basis. Well, and Darren, it's not just interesting as soybeans. It's interesting in the grains as well. Wheat also on a tear today, up 54 to 56 cents here in the Chicago contract. Yeah. Again, are we looking over at Eastern Europe for some trouble in the wheat market? 
I, I think that's part of it. It certainly has to be. You know, uh, last week we saw rumors slash reports of Russian trains loaded with nuclear weapons headed to the front. You know, that had it, we didn't really see much reaction in any of the markets. Uh, but then over the weekend, of course, the, the bridge there in Crimea, the supply bridge Russia was using, uh, blown up. Uh, and then all of the missile attacks against civilian locations and, and the capital city of Kiev and so on. So this seems to have, you know, this also lit a fire underneath the, underneath the Chicago market. But we also have heavy rains going on in Australia, some possible flooding there. Uh, not to the point that it's going to wipe out their winter wheat crop, but it could lower the quality. And, and at a time when the world needs all of these different commodities, you know, we, you can't, some of these major exporters, you can't see problems develop. And it certainly looks like at least some decrease in quality, maybe some quantity as well, could be happening in Australia. Darren, I know there's Dar a fundamental uh, market. Uh, I apologize, Darren. Newsom's market <laughs> rule, one of them is fundamentals win in the yeah. end. But I know you keep an eye on what's happening technically as well. And with November yeah. beans knocking on the $14 level, do you think we've got a chance at taking that out ahead of the WASD report? What was the report? Is there, is there another silly report coming out this week? Uh, anyway, <laughs> you, you mentioned real, you mentioned real fundamentals and, and spreads and basis are still bullish. Uh, could we be knock on the door of 14? Absolutely. Uh, you know, if we look at this long term, I mean, we've got a high sitting up there at 1584, just short of 1585. So here over the next couple months, you know, say October, November, we could certainly push the soybean market higher. We could, I don't think we're going to take out that high from what, last June, May, June, whatever it was. But I, I think we could stay firm in this market given what we see fundamentally. So could we take out $14? Yeah. Uh, does WASD have anything to do with it? Absolutely not. Uh, could we make a run at 15? It's not out of the question. It was just a handful of weeks ago. You know, we hit 1508 and three quarter in mid September. So, you know, these things are possible. The market's not going anywhere. And the bottom line is fundamentals are still bullish. They are still bullish. Darren, taking a look at the market's action today, a lot of green on the screen in the grains, a lot of red in the cattle complex. What's happened there to, to spook that market a little lower? Hey there, Darren. Do we lose you there for a second? I'm, I'm not sure. Darren Newsom, we still got you on the line. Well, apologies, folks. It looks like we are having a little bit of technical difficulties. We'll be working to see if we can get Darren reconnected here in just a moment. Darren, if you're on, just say hello when you get into the program here, and we will be sure to jump you back up. I did want to bring a little piece of news while we wait for Darren to get reconnected here. Um, we did see some news coming out of China. There has been a lot of talk about U.S.-China relations over the past several weeks, and last week they intensified, at least from the United States, United States perspective, and the Biden administration put some new restrictions on technology exports from the U.S. into China. Uh, this is coming under the, uh, basically the idea is to slow down the ability of the Chinese to develop, quote, supercomputers for surveillance systems and advanced weapons. Now, this draws headlines because we talk about restricting exports that are of military importance to countries all the time. That is very, very common in, in this country and protecting the advantages that our developers hold. However, when we look to China, what makes this headline grabbing is the fact that these are reportedly some of the most sweeping regulations to limit the sale of semiconductors and chip making equipment to Chinese customers. 
The Chinese are concerned. They're saying this strikes at the foundation of the chip industry. And the idea here is that all of these back and forth on trade restrictions are raising the overall temperature of relationship between the United States and China, this coming ahead of the big Chinese Communist Party that is happening later this month that might make President Xi president for life. That could certainly change the way the Chinese buy things in international markets, which would include agricultural products. So we'll watch to see how this develops. We always appreciate Darren Newsom jumping on the show. Apologize for losing him a little early. We'll get him back on and talk through things in the future. Folks, stick around for more AOA coming up next. John Baranek of DTN Weather will join us with a forecast update what to expect in this week ahead. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. As a farmer, growing your business is more than just a 9 to 5. It's your life's work. That's why the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System goes all in to help you stay on top. Backed by decades of innovation, offering the latest trait technology and triple herbicide tolerance, plus more weed species controlled than any other soybean system. Because you mean business, and so do we. Learn more at systemofchoice.com. Claim based on approved EPA herbicide labels as of January 2021. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. I think farming picked me. I didn't pick farming. I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With Channel, I know I'll prosper for years to come. Define your future at channel.com slash future. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2022 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. This is the place most people think of when they hear that a seed has been engineered for superior performance and designed with proven genetic traits. Because something like that could only come from a lab, right? But this is where Allegiant Seed by CHS comes from. It's made by farmers for farmers. Its advanced genetics and unbeatable value are proven here in their fields to make sure they do the job in yours. Talk to your CHS retailer about Allegiant Seed today or learn more at AllegiantSeed.com. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. We, 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 we are, are the, the Foundation, foundation Fighting, fighting Blindness. Together, 
We are Fighting Blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Well, folks, welcome back to AOA. Appreciate you making us a part of your day today. And I tell you what, folks, for a lot of folks tuning in right now, it got chilly over the past couple of days. Joining us for a weather update is John Baranek of DTN Weather. And John, we saw some of the Corn Belt get some of the, uh, the coldest weather in six or seven months here this past weekend, didn't we? Yeah, we're in the fall season, so uh, it, it was coming at some point. But, yeah, we sh- we certainly saw it over the weekend here. A lot of the Corn Belt saw uh, temp- the temperatures hitting the freezing mark or below. Um, most of the Corn Belt did. Uh, and, you know, it's just typical for this time of year. But, unfortunately, it came for a lot of those late-planted crops. Probably uh, stopped them a little too early. Uh, any corn that it had yet to reach black layer or some of the soybeans yet were still a little bit immature. So, uh, we probably had a little bit of killing frost on, on some of those crops, unfortunately. John, how far south did that frost line end up making its way here over the weekend? Yeah, it was kind of scattered. Uh, most of Nebraska saw it, uh, northeast Kansas, a lot of Missouri, um, and then kind of right around the Ohio River, it kind of got really spotty south of that. So parts of, of Kentucky, and I think I saw a couple spots in Tennessee also had some frost. Um, but then uh, once you get the Appalachians, it was pretty much uh, north of, of, of uh, Maryland that did. All right, John. Well, taking a look at the weather forecast for the week ahead, I pulled up a weather radar to look at the situation right now, and it looks like it's pretty well blue skies and, and clear weather across most of the U.S. today. Is that your expectation? Yeah, it's uh, not too bad. I mean, there are some showers down in, into West Texas and into Oklahoma. That's going to be an area to kind of watch here for later today. We should see some uh, showers and thunderstorms building up. And that's been kind of an area over the last week there in West Texas that has seen some uh, some better showers recently, which is kind of unusual, but uh, beneficial for those folks down there uh, if they're going to plant some winter crops. Uh, but yeah, for the most of the country here, we're pretty, pretty dry and, and warming up as well. Well, that is good news for a lot of folks that are going to be running those combines here over the next week. John, we saw growers make a lot of progress. We expect to see with harvest as that crop conditions report comes out later today. Does this next week look like another good one for at least Midwestern farmers to make a hard run here at their crops? Well, it's going to be a little, it's going to be easy early this week, that's for sure. I mean, we got warmer temperatures uh, moving in, a little bit of wind here today and especially tomorrow, but that's coming ahead of another cold front moving through. Uh, that batch of showers that's down in Texas and into Oklahoma is going to move northeast through uh, through Missouri and into Illinois here tonight and into tomorrow. So that may bring some um, uh, some harmful showers, uh, but the front itself is probably going to be uh, causing the most uh, precipitation here. It really lights up tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow evening from kind of southeast Nebraska up through Minnesota, and then continues its way kind of southeast through the rest of the week. Um, there's actually a second cold front that'll bring cooler air uh, with it uh, just about a day later. So kind of a double barrel cold front uh, moving through the country here this week. So we should expect some some pretty decent showers uh, for at least the eastern half of the Corn Belt and down into the southeast. Um, other areas, though, it's probably going to be a lot more spotty. 
uh, and mostly light and maybe a few moderate pockets in there. So Western Corn Belt still sees some pretty good conditions overall. The Eastern Corn Belt may be dealing with some showers and some rainfall here this week. John, those showers you mentioned developing over West Texas and Oklahoma, that recent rainfall that they've had, is it enough to reach a situation where where rain can beget more rain? Is it getting wet enough to to create some, some kind of sustaining moisture train for those folks and get the, so a little moisture for those pastures? Gee, I don't know. The drought is just so deep out there. It's going to take a long time for really that to turn around. Um, you know, what's really been helping them is it's been kind of a stubborn little upper level low that's been sitting down in either northwest Mexico or in the Four Corners region that's kind of helped them kind of pump a little, uh, few showers out there. Um, and uh, that little thing is moving its way northeast here this uh, early this week. So that's, that's going to leave them. But we'll see another one kind of pop up down off the coast of California um, later this week. And that looks like it could move eastward through uh, through Texas and across the southern states here next week. I was still trying to figure that one out. But if it does kind of move its way through, um, that, one, that one could be a big rain producer. Uh, we'll have to watch it. But that one could be a, a big one here for Texas, Oklahoma, and then kind of those southern states moving across the Gulf of Mexico. John, while we're thinking about the Gulf of Mexico, of course, tropical season still in effect. Any features down there over the warm water you're keeping an eye on? Not right now. A lot of those have uh, pretty much uh, uh, dried up right now. There is a little thing that's kind of off the uh, Yucatan Peninsula that'll go through uh, the southern uh, Gulf of Mexico, but that's headed through Mexico, so we don't have to really worry about that. Models don't really have a whole lot on the the docket here uh, going forward either. The only caveat to that is that, you know, we're getting a bunch of cold fronts moving through the country here over the next couple of weeks. Um, if they happen to park themselves over the, the Gulf of Mexico, um, you know, just them stalled out over, over, the, the, over the Gulf, the warm waters there could produce a little tropical storm or, or a hurricane, and it is possible. So we'll keep watching that. But for right now, none of these big, major, glaring uh, systems is on, is on the docket for now. All right. Well, that's good news for a lot of folks down there in the Southeast still mopping up after Hurricane Ian. John, I want to go to the other end of the country, quite literally from the Southeast to the Pacific Northwest, the wildfire risk that is still very present across so much of the area there in the Mountain West and the PNW. Any chance those firefighters could get some relief here from expected moisture? Uh, not for about the next 10 days or so. Uh, and we have this big ridge out in the west, and that's going to keep our, our weather active here east of the Rockies, but it's going to be pretty stagnant there out in the west, and it's going to be warm as well. Maybe, you know, not record-breaking heat where we've got, you know, hundreds and 90s every day, but, you know, well above normal temperatures and dryness. So uh, it's, it's a good combination to continue the wildfire risk here for quite some time. Uh, that looks like that might start to change and our weather pattern here across the country might start changing here, not this coming weekend, but the weekend after that. So about the you know, 22nd, 23rd of October, we might start to get more of a, a trough into the Pacific Northwest, and that has a better chance of bringing in some cooler temperatures and rounds of showers. So uh, we've got about another 10 days or so uh, of that before uh, that pattern change. John, when you get a pattern shift like this here as we're changing between seasons, it, does it tend to drop us into the freezer for good, or are these troughs, do they come and go, I guess is my question. Yeah, they're more of a come and go, especially um, right now. Usually what leads us into the freezer is, um, um, and maybe I'm getting a little bit too technical here, but some of these blocking ridges 
We'll see them uh, developing over uh, Alaska, the Eastern Pacific, the West Coast, and also up one up towards Greenland. And when we can get that going, uh, that produces a nice big trough across uh, eastern Canada and, and central and eastern U.S., and the, the cold air just funnels in from, from, uh, from the Pacific Northwest, from northwestern Canada, from the North Pole sometimes uh, into our area, and that kind of leads to some sustained periods of coolness. Uh, we might get a little bit of that, a little taste of that here uh, coming up uh, next week, a little bit, but it, it's not going to be a long-lasting one, I don't think. Uh, but we'll definitely see some cooler temperatures come in for a while. Just nothing into the deep freezer uh, like we would expect in the winter until we get uh, past December. All right, John. Well, as temps start to cool down here in the Northern Hemisphere, they're heating up down in the Southern Hemisphere with Brazilian growers getting that soybean crop in the ground. How are conditions looking down there in Brazil and Argentina as you speak right now? Yeah, we've kind of talked about it a little bit here over the last few weeks. But there's such a difference between Argentina and Brazil. Argentina has been super dry um, going back to last year, really, and uh, or their last season. And, um, you know, there's not a whole lot in terms of precipitation coming their way. Uh, it's already hurt their winter wheat crop. It has severely uh, delayed their first crop or the first phase of corn planting. That's well behind schedule. Uh, and their soybean crop is usually starting to be planted here around this time of the year. And, you know, with all the dryness around there, and nothing coming up, uh, I'm expecting that to be delayed as well. Brazil is quite the opposite. They've had quite a bit of rainfall here unexpectedly, and uh, conditions this week are pretty good. Now, come this weekend, it looks like the southern end of the country might start to dry out. I'm not too concerned about that yet, as they've had quite a bit of rainfall here recently. Uh, but if it comes into a longer stretch and, or if the rainfall that comes after that is pretty weak, we might be talking about some concerns down there in southern Brazil coming up in the, in the next few weeks. And, John, concerns in southern Brazil in a La Nina year would be pretty expected, wouldn't they? Typically they are, yes. It just hasn't happened yet, but it looks like uh, La Nina might be uh, poking its head around here again as we get into the middle of October and, and into November. All right, lots of things to keep an eye on as those Brazilian growers look to increase their soybean acres for this year. Their weather is certainly going to move our markets. Our thanks to John Baranek of DTN Weather for joining us today with this look at what's happening around the world. John, thanks for jumping on. And always uh, good to talk to you, Mike. Thanks for having me. You bet. And folks, stick around. We're going to talk farm management through volatile times with Dr. Steve Isaacs, farm management professor at the University of Kentucky, when AOA returns. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. On the first Wednesday of every month here on AOA, we get together for the monthly grind, a conversation about corn demand and the partnerships it takes to make that corn industry profitable with our friends from the National Corn Growers Association. Corn grain and corn gluten meal are the top two ingredients in pet food. Um, some of the efforts of the Market Development Action Team, we, we ask a lot out of chat and others when it comes to the, the scope of the portfolio of MDAT, everything from our traditional animal ag uses to what we call new uses, such as bio-based packaging, pet food space in particular. It's really interesting because they have some of the, the highest margins and there's this demand for these premium products that we're seeing where consumers are willing to pay more for um, sustainable packaging options. So this is kind of a really good market to kind of test out 
some of these uh, plant-based and renewable packaging solutions, which of course could be made from corn. This monthly grind recap is sponsored by the National Corn Growers Association. Be sure to tune in the first Wednesday of every month for the monthly grind here on AOA. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Grain and oilseed prices posted solid gains overnight led by wheat as risk premium focused on rising Russian tensions sent sellers for cover while buyers returned to add some ownership. This continues to be a headline-driven market, which for now supports positive money flow. The cash market is focused on big feed deficits in the major feedlot states of the Western Egg Belt, as well as the explosion of barge freight rates due to extremely low water levels on the Mississippi River. No barges were backed up at Memphis this morning, where one-way traffic only is allowed and where the backup topped 2,000 on Friday after a barge became grounded. Grain movements south to the ports and fertilizer movement north for fall application are both curtailed. One major grain shipping company warned today that grain shipments coming from the upper Mississippi River should be completed as soon as possible if they are going to arrive in time before the upper portion of the river starts to shut down for winter sometime next month. Forecasters fear that water levels on the lower Mississippi will get worse before they get better, with no major rain events currently in the forecast for the Midwest. Wheat feature prices have been trending higher since mid-August, and they continue within that uptrending channel. Corn futures have largely been trading sideways over the past month, while soybeans have been in a sharp sell-off until bouncing off chart gap support at the end of last week. We'll also get the USDA production estimate updates on Wednesday. The 20th Congress of the Chinese Communist Party will meet on October 16th. Speculation initially had been that China might ease off its zero-COVID policy following the meeting of Congress to reappoint Xi Jinping for another term as president. However, observers are much less optimistic now that we will see significant reform, with government officials seeming to believe that they are currently on the right path. Meanwhile, there's been more of a conciliatory tone from both Taiwan and Chinese authorities in recent days, cooling the rhetoric even though China remains committed to eventual reunification of the island nation. This is AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy hey there, soil Steve. feel to the touch? Let's Correct. Dig a little for sound. 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes. Go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Uh, Dark, porous, uh, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back 
to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate you making us a part of your day. Of course, for a lot of folks tuning in right now, we are entering either the harvest season, we're working on getting those 2022 crops out of the field, or I know for some of you, you're out there in the planter, getting that winter wheat in the ground and hoping for enough moisture to take it through to completion here as the winter gets through. And that tells me we're gonna have a lot of time sitting in our tractors. We're gonna have a lot of time to be thinking about our businesses. And well, this past year has certainly been a challenging one for for any business owner and certainly agriculture is no stranger to that as well with the volatility we've seen in both commodity prices and inputs thinking through management is crucial this year and joining me for a conversation about that very topic right now is dr steve isaacs he's an extension farm management specialist at the university of kentucky dr isaacs thanks for joining us today uh mike glad to be with you Let's talk about how farmers are sitting right now. Of course, you're in Kentucky. You work with growers throughout the Southeast. How do the, the working capital levels sit right now? And how are folks gearing up as they get ready for renewal season? Well, in, here in Kentucky, where we had some uh, early season drought and we're sort of in the middle of some folks actually wrapping up corn harvest, we're seeing tremendous yield, uh, yield variability. Um, We've got reports out of Western Kentucky of farms having yields from on corn from zero to 240 bushels within a 10 mile radius. So that kind of volatility really sort of upsets the apple cart. Um, that's also meaning that with uh, yields probably below average, uh, they're worried about uh, having enough cash to do some prepays this fall. Absolutely. And those are several of the challenges we're hearing really not just in Kentucky, they're coming from across the world, or at least across the country. Dr. Isaacs, from a management perspective, if we've got a grower right now running through the combine, yields aren't coming in where they'd anticipated earlier in this growing season. What should they be thinking? How should they manage that risk here? Do you think as we get into harvest season, what are some uh, best practices we can put into place? Well, one of the things, and, and I didn't mention this, I've been at this for a good while, so I've seen lots of ups and downs, and we're going to continue to have those. Sometimes in a year that's been bad, people tend to uh, to not think that they're going to have an, uh, a tax issue. Uh, some of our area specialists are, are cautioning folks that, okay, look, you sold a lot of the 2021 crop after the first of the year for tax purposes. Uh, you may be in a low cash uh, situation. A low liquidity situation right now and not able to prepay expenses so that could you know bump that tax liability considerably i mean you have a high income year without uh, the money to offset with some expenses so my encouragement is here in october it is not too early to start thinking about some uh, tax management and some tax planning that is a really good point as folks are preparing for those meetings with their cpas or with their tax professional are there big changes that have happened in the tax law this past year that, that people need to be thinking of um uh, wow not not that i can think of off the top of my head uh, uh, that's kind of a relief the bullet here, there but, yeah yeah <laughs> so, uh, but that, that's just, I've seen that happen before. And when folks have a, a bad year, they think that, okay, I don't have to worry about this till after the first of the year, then it is too late. So if we're gonna do some tax management, it needs to take place before uh, the end of the year. And, and you know, with not only just, uh, you know, maybe with lower yields, there's less uh, liquidity, less cash available. Uh, it's also maybe some of these inputs are gonna be hard to get, hard to come by. Uh, machinery uh, purchases. So uh, so I think it's it's certainly not too early here in October to begin thinking about that. 
That is a great point. It is never too early, unfortunately, to be thinking about the tax implications of business decisions. And I want to look out a little further. Dr. Isaacs, as you mentioned, you've been doing this a little while. You've seen these cycles in agriculture happen. Here we are in a period of extreme volatility. We've got concerns about input costs for the next year's crop. How should growers be planning ahead? Is this a year to take some cash and just stick it in a savings account, tuck it under the mattress? Or what's a better way to maybe manage some of that risk? You know, I've never known a time in the last 40 years of my career when the cash reserves were a bad thing. Uh, and I think in, in volatile times, it is even more important to, to manage those cash reserves. And uh, uh, the mattress may pay about as much interest as some of these bank accounts. But at any rate, uh, uh, cash reserves are going to be key, I think, as we move into that renewal season. Uh, lenders are going to be watching it. Lenders are just as worried about volatility as farmers are. So uh, I think there's a lot of anxiety out there. Uh, so I, I think that's important for farmers and lenders both to be aware of. That is a really good point. You're right about having cash on hand. It certainly always helps. But you got you said something else in there. You said, you know, the interest on that cash might not be much. But Dr. Isaacs, we are seeing that interest rate move quite a bit right now. Of course, farmers are some of the more leveraged participants in the industry right now. How should they be thinking about interest rate risk as we come through the end of 2022 and look out to 2023? I think they certainly need to be looking at any debt that has variable interest rates and most operating loans that would be the case. So uh, if there's cash available, I try to pay down those uh, variable interest rate uh, notes as much as possible. Uh, that's one way of managing that risk. Uh, always having a good relationship and a sound profitability relationship is, is going to help if there's any, if the lenders offer any uh, advantages to uh, better borrowers. Uh, and. And this is also a time, and I've seen this happen before, that that particularly if farmers begin to get a little pushback from their traditional lenders, they look at other sources. And that sometimes can be dangerous. You know, if, if suppliers are offering, you know, some, uh, yeah, buy now, pay later, check and make sure what pay later means. I mean, that, that may be a, a hidden interest rate there that's, uh, that's pretty serious. So uh, I think you need to watch for that sort of thing as well. Steve, you raised a great point there. Be careful who you're doing business with. Here in ag, here in the economy, we have had a, a tremendous run of profitability. We've seen businesses be able to stay in business. But as we enter a period of volatility, there's always the concern that perhaps the person you're doing business with might go out of business. And we've seen that with a couple of, of grain elevators. How can folks be thinking about that counterparty risk in a way that might help them ensure their operations success through volatile periods? Uh, well, and, and, and sometimes that's a tough one to see. I mean, you don't, you know, obviously the folks who are in trouble may not, you may not be aware of that. Uh, but I would try to spread that risk around and not have, you know, the old eggs in one basket sort of thing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, that third party counterparty risk is, is, is serious in, in volatile times. It is. Steve, I want to ask you a question here about looking to the future and farmers making investments in their in their operations. We've seen a lot of folks making big investments in land as land sales have moved through the roof. For folks with cash on hand, maybe thinking about that decision, what are some perspectives you encourage farmers to think about before they write those checks in these elevated markets? Well, that, that's, a, that's a really good point. Um, and and I just kind of watch land prices as well, and certainly we're all aware of, of where they have been going. I, I think that is a, um, a barometer of the recent profitability of agriculture. Uh, and I'm an economist. We we say that that uh, profits accrue to the land, 
And I think we're seeing that either in terms of purchases or uh, elevated uh, uh, rental prices when, when those have to roll around. Uh, in the long run, land is a good investment. It is a good, uh, I'd like to say it's a good wealth generator, but a sometimes a poor income generator. Uh, land gets paid for with profits from other land. Uh, if anyone tells you land will pay for itself, it won't. Uh, and I have a whole presentation on, on that that uh, lenders sometimes don't want to, to listen to. The title of the presentation is Why Farmland uh, Will Not, Cannot, and Should Not Pay for Itself. But, uh, but we do know that profits accrue back to land. And over the long haul, land is a good investment. But it has the volatility as well. Uh, it does not increase you know, double-digit rates every year. Uh, 2009, I think, was the last time that land values went down. But I'm old enough to live through the 80s. And we saw some serious erosion in land values in that 80s. And those of us who lived through that will never, ever forget those times. It, Scott, that's a great point. Er, excuse me, Steve. That is a great point. As you're thinking about the lenders who lived through the 80s don't want to live through that time. Do you think that puts some guardrails in place on the elevated land prices we're seeing today? Do you think we'll have a pullback before things get out of hand? Well, I think so. I think ag, uh, ag lending learned some really, really uh, serious lessons in the 80s. Uh, it, it, yeah, I was a young beginning farmer out there uh, rolling with everybody else and money was easy to get. And, and uh, a lot of my colleagues went out there and, and, and borrowed heavily, leveraged heavily. Uh, and then, you know, right now I saw something out of Farm Doc this morning that 83, right at 83% of the farm balance sheet is land. And wow. when there is that much of one asset accounting for that much of your balance sheet, you need to be aware, yes, I like for it to go up, but it can go down. And we did see that happen in the 80s. Uh, I'm not predicting that. Uh, Mike, you and I may, after tomorrow, we're on a conference together. I think we'll we may hear some more from uh, some other experts on that. Uh, but over the long haul, land is a good investment, but you can't count on it always going up in value. And lenders, at least, I think there's fewer lenders active that were in business back in those 80s. Most of those folks have retired. But I think the ag credit industry learned some hard lessons and have been much more careful about uh, lending than certainly they were in that period of time. I think you're right, and that's certainly a theme we hear at uh, lending meetings, lending conferences. As Dr. Isaacs mentioned, he will be presenting, he'll be moderating a panel along with myself and Dr. David Cole for Clemson tomorrow, the Southeast Ag Lender School. If you're a lender down in that vicinity, call it the Southeast of the United States, you can log on, go to eventbrite.com, search for Southeast Ag Lending School, you can get yourself still signed up, that'll be happening tomorrow morning. Dr. Isaacs, thank you so much for joining us today and for reminding us of the important things to think about here. We've got a little downtime time in the cab, maybe think about your business a little bit. Mike, thanks for having me. And folks, stick around when AOA returns. We're going to take a look at that harvest there in the eastern Corn Belt with Dave Green, an Ohio farmer who's working in the fields here this weekend. Stay tuned for more AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. 
In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad. Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey. Why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. On the first Wednesday of every month here on AOA, we get together for the monthly grind, a conversation about corn demand and the partnerships it takes to make that corn industry profitable with our friends from the National Corn Growers Association. Corn grain and corn gluten meal are the top two ingredients in pet food. Um, some of the efforts of the Market Development Action Team, we, we ask a lot on a chat and others when it comes to the, the scope of the portfolio of MDAT, everything from our traditional animal ag uses to what we call new uses, such as bio-based packaging, pet food space in particular. It's really interesting because they have some of the, the highest margins and there's this demand for these premium products that we're seeing where consumers are willing to pay more for um, sustainable packaging options. So this is kind of a really good market to kind of test out some of these uh, plant-based and renewable packaging solutions, which of course could be made from corn. This monthly grind recap is sponsored by the National Corn Growers Association. Be sure to tune in the first Wednesday of every month for the monthly grind here on AOA. We all know clean fields lead to strong yields. That's why ExtendFlex soybeans offer triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate to control more weed species than any other soybean system. Even tough weeds like water hemp, palmer amaranth, and mare's tail. Get the control, flexibility, and proven performance you need so you can focus on the business at hand instead of beating back weeds. Explore the Roundup Ready Extend crop system at systemofchoice.com. Claim based on approved EPA herbicide labels as of January 2021. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. I think farming picked me. I didn't pick farming. I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With channel, I know I'll prosper for years to come. Define your future at channel.com slash future. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2022 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. This is the place most people think of when they hear that a seed has been engineered for superior performance and designed with proven genetic traits. 
because something like that could only come from a lab, right? But this is where Allegiant Seed by CHS comes from. It's made by farmers for farmers. Its advanced genetics and unbeatable value are proven here in their fields to make sure they do the job in yours. Talk to your CHS retailer about Allegiant Seed today or learn more at AllegiantSeed.com. Would you know what to do in a poison emergency? Would you know whom to call? Well, the answer is poison help. 1-800-222-1222. Poison help is a 24-7 government hotline staffed by poison experts. It's free to call and available in over 100 languages. Every second counts in a poison emergency. Don't waste it wondering who to call. Save poison help in your phone today. 1-800-222-1222. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Well, folks, harvest progress continues across the country. We'll get the update on the nationwide progress later on Monday afternoon from USDA. But last Monday, USDA reported that Ohio farmers had managed to harvest about 13% of their soybeans. And I know in the week since, at least one Ohio grower has added to that total. Mr. Dave Green's an Ohio farmer, and he is a precision ag consultant with Ag Infotech there in northwestern Ohio. Dave, thanks for joining us on the show. How's harvest coming so far? Oh, it's coming along, Mike. It, it definitely, I, I didn't know what the number was USDA said, so when I heard you say 13, it feels like it. We're, we're, we're making progress. Uh, beans are coming off, but it's, it's, we're behind last year's pace at the minimum. Definitely a little bit, a little bit slower. Absolutely. I think that's fairly common. Dave, how slow were things in getting in out there around you in Ohio? That I think we're kind of seeing the repercussions of what happened this spring. Um, there were some some crops that went out very early in in that April time frame, um, and then we had a lot of uh, delays through May. A lot of beans, some corn went in in uh, the end of May, in the June, and and we're seeing the direct result of that right now. That it's just that's that's where we're at for the year. That that a lot of guys are running into. Beans are fit, and they're running out of fit beans. Switching over to corn, taking off some fields. Kind of disjointed fall here in uh, in uh, Northwest Ohio. Well, Dave, I'm glad you mentioned Northwest Ohio. Let's talk about a little bit where you're located and how are yields coming off on those crops they're able to get in and get running after. Yeah, hearing some really good bean yields. Uh, some folks may be a little disappointed. A lot of it was weather dependent, um, depending on who. Who got some rain? There were some definitely some drier areas. I know myself. Uh, I'm about an uh, hour and a half north of Columbus. I had a very wet uh, beginning of June, and then it turned dry, and it just took the steam out of things right away. And you're you're, you're seeing some of those um, pockets show up that aren't quite as strong as where you'd hope they'd be at. I think overall we're going to end up somewhere at an average, maybe slightly above average when it comes down to yields. All right. On the corn front, Dave, growers around you, you mentioned nosing into those corn fields. How are things looking? Um, haven't heard uh, any any huge yields. Um, I, again, I think average, slightly above average. 
Um, when I say nose in, there are a lot of fields that you see. They took the headlands off, wanted to see what was going on, and then that stopped. So a lot of a lot of green tins in some of those fields. Uh, you're starting to see some of that early corn uh, becoming uh, fully uh, mature, ripe, easy to shell. And uh, but right now, you know, the name of the game up here: get these beans off. You know, the corn can stand. Let's get the beans off. Uh, a lot of a lot of weed going in, cover crop, you know, that that's become a real popular system and uh we're seeing a lot of that go on too. So Dave, let's talk about basis. Let's talk about how these farmers are getting paid when that crop does come out of the field. Of course, Northwest Ohio, you're not too terribly far from a tremendous livestock uh, production, you know, area. You've got ethanol in your part of the world. How is basis holding up in the countryside? Yeah, basis is held together on the corn market. Um, it hasn't really softened coming into harvest here. It, it's been fairly consistent. Um, I think uh, when I looked the other day um, at uh, Bungie, which would be one of the big uh, end users uh, for us here in Northwest Ohio, Bungie was at like 10 under, I think, on beans. So, you know, all in all, it, it's holding together. You know, we're not seeing wide shifts, uh, swings, you know, either way for that fact. Um, so yeah, nice it's, to have uh, a little stability. They've been, yep, yep. Uh, stable's okay. Stable is a stable is, a, is an okay thing. Dave, now you're not just a row crop guy. You've also got an interest in livestock production. Taking a look around at livestock cow-calf producers in the Northwest Ohio region, how's pasture conditions look as we head into winter? Um, again, we we start looking at some of the uh, the moisture. And uh, in the farther northwest you get, it starts to get a little bit dry. Um, and, and I've heard a few comments of we, we could use a shot of rain. Um, so, you know, I, really what it's given us a great opportunity is to make some late season hay here. Um, we've had some good, good uh, drying days, and, and uh, I've noticed a lot of hay has been dropped here recently, which, you know, getting in October, it gets pretty tough for us. Absolutely. Dave, looking out to this next week, you going to be in the Combine? Uh, I was in somewhat on the weekend, do a little bit of service work, uh, keep some other guys running, and I managed to get a little bit of my own work done, hoping to finish beans up here today, get some weed out. Um, yeah, keep slugging away. Absolutely. Dave, growers are getting interested in precision equipment here with some uh, higher prices out there in the countryside? Yeah, yeah. I think we're. it's going to be good to get in harvest and have guys kind of see where, where they end up at. You know, I think there was a a big, a big interest last year, but we just were running into supply chain issues. And we come into the spring, fertilizer does what it does, pull some people back maybe. And uh, I think we get, get crops off, get a comfort level. And I have a feeling, you know, everybody has their uh, tax appointment there at the beginning of uh, December. And, and uh, hopefully where things are at, we're going to see a lot of product move here at the end of the year. Uh, so it should be exciting uh, year end. It should indeed. Dave, if we've got any listeners who want to follow along with the harvest and what all you've got going on there in Ohio, is there any place we can send them? Um, yeah, yeah, you can, uh, you can follow, you can follow me. I know I haven't been too active on Twitter, uh, recently, uh, started using a little bit more on the, on the TikTok. I, I, I never would have, never would have saw myself, uh, saying, saying that, but, uh, here, here, here I am. So it's, uh, but, but yeah, uh, you can find me on TikTok at FarmerBoys, B-O-Y-Z 58. And then uh, also on Twitter and let's see, that is, uh, I think, just a straight FarmerBoys, Farmer underscore think- B-O-Y-Z.
Farmer Boys, Farmer underscore Boys on Twitter, Farmer Boys 58 on TikTok, bringing the story of agriculture out there to the people. Dave Green, Ohio Farmer, thanks for joining us today. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. You have a good one. Stay safe and harvest out there. And that goes for all of you tuning in right now. We wish you the best if you're running a combine or running a plant for today. And tune in tomorrow for more AOA right here. Have a great one, everybody. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. We all know clean fields lead to strong yields. That's why ExtendFlex soybeans offer triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate to control more weed species than any other soybean system. Even tough weeds like water hemp, palmer amaranth, and mare's tail. Get the control, flexibility, and proven performance you need so you can focus on the business at hand instead of beating back weeds. Explore the Roundup Ready Extend crop system at systemofchoice.com. Claim based on approved EPA herbicide labels as of January 2021. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. I think farming picked me. I didn't pick farming. I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With channel, I know I'll prosper for years to come. Define your future at channel.com slash future. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2022 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council.